Lord Jesus, we come to this point in our worship service, God, where we turn our attention completely to your word and your word alone. Father, we ask that you would cast aside any and every distraction that would pull us away from your perfect and inspired word. God, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. That you would speak in spite of a foolish and frail servant. That you, Father, would pour forth your truth into our lives. That we would hear from heaven and that we would be inspired and changed. God, we ask that your word would cut us and pierce us. Convict us, Lord. Challenge us. Lord, but also we ask that you would comfort us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Build your church. Father, these things are only capable through the power of your Spirit, working through your Word. We ask that you might move amongst us this morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit to you, God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to take and turn with me to Ephesians Chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, feel free to take one of the black Bibles that's in the pew in front of you and use it as your own. If you don't have a good Bible at home, you are welcome to take that Bible with you, and that is our gift to you as long as you promise to read it every so often, preferably every day. As long as you read it sometimes, though, we'll call it even, all right? So as you find your place in sacred Scripture... If you would prefer to follow along on the screens, the words will be there on the screens. But either way, I would ask if you are able, would you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. We look together now at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be beginning in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. The word of the Lord says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning, we turn to a familiar passage, and at first glance, it seems as though we might be fitting a stereotype that the church has had since I've been alive anyway, and that stereotype has been very similar, and it it ties to Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day rolls around, and we praise mothers. Thank God for mothers. Mothers have saved us. Mothers have persevered with us. Mothers are incredible. Praise God for our mothers. And that is good, and it is right, and it is true. And then Father's Day rolls around, and we talk about how terrible dads are. You bunch of bums, get your act together. It's time to go back to serving the Lord. You dads are terrible. Get it together, boys. And uh, at first it seems like maybe, having read that passage, that's going to be our pattern this morning. But I promise that is not what I'm out to do today. This passage is something that the Lord has laid on my heart specifically because it is something that I wrestle with as a man, as a husband, and as a father. And so on Father's Day, we look to one of the household codes that Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the letter to the church at Ephesus. But what happens also with this passage is that we sometimes divorce it from the larger context of the book of Ephesians. There's a lot that leads up to this passage. One of the prevailing phrases is this in Christ or with Christ. And sometimes the pronoun is used in him or with him. You see, just like many of the other letters that Paul writes, the first bit of this letter to the Ephesians is very theological. It's very deep. And then when we hit chapter 4, we begin to get more personal. He paints with very broad strokes. In the first three chapters, and then he begins to zero in and focus and get much more detailed with his painting. If you've ever watched Bob Ross paint, it's kind of like when he starts off and sets the background. And then when we get to chapter four, we're going to make the happy little trees and the happy little clouds. And if you can't relax while you're watching Bob Ross paint, you might have a problem. Okay, you may have an anger issue that you need to have seen about. All right. So if Paul were Bob Ross, we've set the scene in chapters one through three. And specifically tied to this phrase of in Christ. So chapter 1 verse 3, we, the church, are blessed in Christ. Now note from the get-go, Paul is writing this letter to a church filled with believers. Much of the letter of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, is aimed at believers. None of the things that we are saying or reading here are true of someone who does not believe in Jesus, who has not given their life to Christ, but for those who have trusted in the only name and the only way, the only truth, the only life, who is Jesus the Christ, these things are true. So chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 3, we the church are blessed in Christ. Verse 6, we are blessed in the Beloved, in Him the Beloved. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption Through his blood. Verse 9, his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, to unite all things in him. 
Verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12, we were the first to hope in Christ. Verse 13, in Him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verses 19 and 20, the working of His great might which He worked in Christ. Moving to chapter 2, verse 5, God made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, He raised us up with Him and seated us in the heavenly places in Jesus. Verse 10, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you remember last week at the Pentecost, Peter says that this is for you and for your children and for those who are far off, he has taken them and brought them near. Paul is reinforcing this idea that those who are far off, anyone who is alienated or estranged in the blood of Christ is brought near to God. Verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit, in one spirit, in him, through him, to God. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. Three chapters over and over and over again. It's in Christ. It's in him. Christ is the sufficiency. So what I want as the baseline, as the foundation of what Paul is saying in Ephesians is you and I cannot do what's in chapter 5 apart from Christ. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. The significance that we have, the value that we have is found only in Christ. Everything about our existence revolves around being in Christ. And for those of us who believe we are sealed in Christ, we are purified by blood in Christ. We are one and members of one another being built together into one dwelling place. That's a church being built together only in Christ. Everything else that happens in Ephesians is laid upon the foundation that we need to be in Christ. The only solution for any troubled marriage is to find reconciliation in Christ. The only way to be a good husband, a good father, is to be in Christ. The only way to be a good wife is to be in Christ. And I say that and you're like, you know, Pastor, I think you're going a little overboard with this whole in him, with him. You read a bunch of verses. You threw a lot of information at us, okay? But I want us to back up just a little bit. Take your Bible back with me, all right? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Back up just a few verses. Start with verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5. Start with verse 18. Paul is writing and says, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you know how a wife can submit to a husband? It's only through reverence and submission to Christ. That sets up everything. So since we're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, 
It leads perfectly into, wives, therefore, submit to your husbands. And folks, some of the time we get to these verses and we divorce or separate out these instructions from being in Christ. The gospel is all that can save. Jesus is the only place to find our value, our identity, and our sufficiency. Only in Christ. But once we are in Christ, we are to be salt and light. And our marriages, our family relationships, should look in such a way as to draw the unsaved world to Christ. If we are in Christ, then our families and our marriages will draw people to Christ. Listen, we we talk about the struggles in our society of allowing um, a man and a man be married to one another, of allowing a woman and a woman to be married to one another, and, and recognizing that in the state, even though we know Scripture teaches us that that is an abomination to the Lord. It is sinful to the Lord. But one of the most powerful ways to witness to someone whether they're lost and they're of a same sex attraction or whether they're just lost and and they're married to another woman to a wife or, or a wife and a husband one of the best ways to witness to them is to show them how happy and joyful and content you are in your marriage and with your family that should be one of our greatest witnessing tools When people see Jessica and I out in places, they should come to us and go, what is the secret sauce of your marriage? What is it that makes you guys so content and joyful with one another? What is it that is just this foundational peace that just emanates from you guys? Listen, we don't have that. And I promise you, whether it's a homosexual couple or a heterosexual couple, whether they're transgender or gender non-binary, whatever they are, That transcends all languages. When we are blessed to be married and have families, and that shows when we are in public, people will come to us from every walk of life and say, I've been married for years. I don't have what you have. And and folks, sometimes we make jokes and make light of of the submission and and of all of these things. And, and, oh, yeah, you know, my wife submits to me. And I, I, I tell you what. She better submit to me or else, I, you know, I'm going to lay down the law. Yeah, we all know who wears the pants in the family. We can joke around and laugh about it all day long, but we find it hard to believe God has given us these instructions, and yet we believe wholeheartedly that there was a man born of a virgin who lived a perfect life and died on our behalf and was raised from the dead. We struggle to believe the Bible says wives should submit to their husbands as the church does to Christ, as unto the Lord, and yet we don't struggle to believe that a man was raised from the dead. We have trouble believing some parts of Scripture and not others. But folks, what what does this submission look like? You know, some, some translations have obey. Man, alive, you quote obey. Buddy, there's, there's going to be some fireworks. I mean, I, I'm not making light. I'm telling you, that's a difficult word to swallow. I've sat in marriage counseling classes where people are familiar with that translation and they say, Pastor, are you telling me I'm supposed to obey my husband like he's some kind of master and I'm some kind of slave? No. 
No, but we are to submit. All of us are to submit to Christ. All of us are supposed to give reverence to Christ and His leadership and His headship. It is a two-way street. If your husband is loving you the way that Christ loved the church, then you won't have a problem submitting to your husband. Because he will love you the way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Christ literally laid his life down for the church. Did not have to die, but died for the church. When that kind of love and self-sacrifice and humility and humble servant leadership is present in a relationship, then a wife feels secure enough to submit to her husband. But when that's not the case, it's very difficult and things fall out of alignment and out of whack very quickly and very easily. You see, we as husbands love that line, obey, submit, yeah. You know, the Bible tells you, woman, you're supposed to submit to me. Just, gentlemen, don't, don't actually try saying that. If, especially if you're in the throes of an argument, that is like, you have to sleep at some point in time. I'm just, I'm warning you men, okay? Don't throw that out there. Because here's... Here's the underlying fact. If you have to quote that verse, you've already failed. If I have to quote that verse to my wife and say, Jessica, you must submit to me, then I have failed as a husband. Because when I love my wife the way that Christ loves the church, it makes her want to submit to me. And I never have to make it an issue. And men, we, we love to quote that in a scenario when it gets us the remote control. When we can control what's on the TV, or when we can control where we go to eat, or when we can control what's done in our household, or when we can control when the chores are done, or how the things around the house are structured and laid out. But we love to abdicate that role and that title as soon as things turn real. Wouldn't it be nice to just say, I am the king of this household. I have arrived at home. I expect my Diet Mountain Dew in a glass over ice. I expect for the remote control to be beside my recliner. I expect for my children to shut up for 30 minutes while I decompress from the stressful day that I have had. And then when I feel good and ready, you may approach me. Has anybody ever watched Mary Poppins? Don't be George Banks, okay? That is not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about us as a whole submitting to one another in Christ. And that submission can be seen in a marriage relationship. Men, it means that you get together with your family at night and say, it's devotion time. Do you know this is one of my weakest points in my life? Do you know who takes the initiative to teach our children the Bible in my home? It's that woman sitting right there on the second row. I'm tired by the end of the night, guys. It's been a long day. People have come. I've had to counsel with folks and go make hospital visits and plan a sermon, which doesn't happen anywhere near as often as it should. And when I get home and I finally sit down, that's the, that's the man, that is it. When you sit down, it's over, right? If I could just stay standing and keep moving, I'm okay. But once I sit down, all my energy drains out of me. It's just like you sit down and we've done bedtime routine, and everybody got bathed, and, and now Lily's got to get a bath, and we've done all that, and everybody's jammies are on. Everything is good. Go get in bed. 
Oh, praise the Lord, we made it through another day. Oh, go get in the bed. And then mommy says, hey guys, let's do our Bible story time. Man, forgot about Bible story time. That's right, that's right. Hey, come on guys, come on in. Let's get our Jesus storybook Bible. Woo, daddy's going to read the story. Yeah. Sometimes daddy conveniently is not present when the Bible story happens. Sometimes there's something in the garage that needs fiddling with. This is just me. This is my heart. Maybe this is you. Maybe this was you. Folks, we love to be the lords of our castle until it's time to be the spiritual head of the household. And we want to wonder why our wives don't respect us Why does my wife not love me and and honor me like I deserve? Because I don't lead like they deserve to be led. It is a two-way street. And the way that it happens should draw people to us. And you might think, well, it's just, we get by, Pastor. It's okay because we get by. We make it work, okay? Listen. There's too much writing on Christian marriages for us to just make it work. He said that it's the relationship between Christ and the church right there in the text. He created marriage between a man and a woman to be the image of the way that Christ relates to the church. That the church is the bride of Christ, our groom. And that the marriage between a man and a woman who are Christians, who are believers, is supposed to be the testimony to the world that this is how Christ relates to His people, the church. This is how Christ loves the church. When we as husbands love our wives and care for them, not just care about their happiness, but care about their holiness, lead them spiritually, sacrifice ourselves for the sake of our families, then I will tell you, the church will be well represented in the world and people will be drawn to us. But sadly, our marriages look the same as marriages outside the church, don't they? You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of comedians that joked around the time that same-sex unions were being legalized and said, hey, I don't know what the big fuss is about. Let's let the, homo, the homosexuals get married to one another. Then they can be just as miserable as the rest of us. <laughs> this is funny, right? No, it's not. Because it's true. It hurts. And then, guys, we don't realize that we set the tone spiritually, emotionally. When we come home, we have the power to set the tone of our household. You can come home and say, Lucy, I'm home. Babaloo. Hey, where are my kiddos? What's going on? And you wrestle in the floor and you have a good time. When you show up and you say, sweetheart, you look great. How was your day today? Man, I just, I just can't believe I get to come home to you every day. You set the tone for the rest of the house. I don't care what's going on in the rest of the household. When the spiritual leader shows up and he is in tune with the Father and there is an unquenchable joy in our spirit, it is contagious. 
in our household. We will not provoke our children to anger. Even when we come home and we are the spiritual heads and set the tone, we can say, listen, I know that you have disobeyed, but I'm going to show you mercy this time. Or I know that you have disobeyed and this and this and this are going to happen, but know that I'm doing this out of love. And we don't come home and turn into those people. Why are you talking to me? What's for dinner? I don't even want that for dinner. I'm making my own dinner. Y'all eat what y'all want. I'm going to eat over here. Why is there stuff in the floor? Where's my chair? Where's my shoes? What's the TV on? All these kid shows all the time. I tell you what, I just can't take it. Immediately, your whole house drops to where that level is. Think in your mind. Whether you have 30 kids, whether you like the Philpots over there, or whether you don't have kids, or whether your kids have grown up and left the house. A husband is a spiritual leader in his house and sets the tone for the rest of the house. And it's also true that the tone is set when the spiritual leader is not there. Folks, some of us have allowed the troubles and woes of the world to pull us away from where we ought to be. We ought to be at home sanctifying our wives Loving our children, praying, and being united as one flesh. There's a reason that Paul cites Genesis and says the two become one flesh. You can't be one flesh if one part of the flesh is always gone. Folks, sometimes we've allowed plenty of good things, good excuses to pull us from our family. And we're not there to lead in story time, not because we're tinkering in the garage, but because, oh, there's just this one more thing i got to do at work. Oh, there's just this one more thing that so-and-so has asked me to do. Listen, if you've got a good balance of what's going on at work, and you've got a good balance of what your travel schedule is, and the church calls you up, okay, and says, hey, we need you to volunteer in seven different places, you have my permission to tell the church, Whoever the nominating committee or committee person is, Pastor, I'm spending too much time away from my family. I'm willing to serve on that, but it means I'm sacrificing time as the leader of my household. Are you comfortable asking me to do that? If they say yes, shame on them. Remember, it's a two-way street. Don't be spending all your time at work. Don't be spending all your time playing golf. And then you ain't ever home, and the church time is the time that you were going to use to be at home. That don't work either. The Lord knows how you arrange your schedule and prioritize. What we're called to do, men, is to love our wives in such a way that they want to submit to that kind of leadership. You get to be the team captain on the team, all right? You're not the coach, you're not the manager, you're not the owner, all right? That's all in Christ. But you're the team captain on the field. You know the quarterbacks that get protected really well as the team captain of the offense? They take their linemen out for steak dinners. Because they want the people to protect them. What kind of team captain are you? We're to support one another. Wives, you're supposed to submit. Husbands, you're supposed to lead. And you're supposed to lead in a way that kills you. You're supposed to lead in a way that is self-sacrificing. We're supposed to love our wives as we love ourselves. And you know, sometimes 
we're not in the best of shape. Sometimes we don't take very good care of ourselves. If you love your wife the way that you love yourself, you're 40 pounds overweight, you don't ever exercise, you don't eat good, you don't do what the doctor says, are you really loving yourself? Same is true for your spouse. We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so fathers, husbands, men, how you doing? I got a long way to go. This woman right here puts up with a lot. She deserves a better leader. She deserves somebody who's willing to sacrifice. Are we going to be those men for our spouses? Or are we just going to demand they submit and ask for the lead? Who are we going to be? God, thank you that even when we mess up, even when we are so far off the mark, you still love us. And we still have forgiveness in Christ. We still have righteousness in Christ. But Lord, don't let us miss our blessing. Don't let us be poor representations of what the relationship you have with the church is like. Father, help us as husbands and wives, as future husbands and future wives, to love one another, to submit to one another, to lead where we're called to lead, to submit where we're called to submit, to trust your word. God, help us to love you and serve you, to live for you, especially in the seemingly mundane day-to-day life with our spouse. God, we, we cannot do this without you. There are many men who do this so well. God. You have blessed them and gifted them. Let us follow their example. God, there are many men who have failed much worse. And Lord, there has been chaos left in their wake. Help us to reach out to those who have had mothers and fathers like that. Love them the way that you have loved us. God, we need you. We are helpless without you. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.